Hi guys, this is Evan. Welcome to my podcast where I discuss about personal finance and investing. This is to encourage ordinary employees, millennials, and younger generations like myself to take the reins of our financial lives that we can definitely enjoy each and our own life and still master our own money. Today's episode is my way of celebrating the first year. Yes, you heard it right. My first year anniversary of my blog. And what better way to do it than through sharing my own journey on how I became the value investor I am today. For the people who doesn't know me yet, my name is Evan Luis Madrinian. I have my own blog, which you can check out at www.elmads.com, which I share anything under the umbrella of investing and personal finance. With that out of the way, let's get started. I am a nurse, and I've been working as a nurse since 2011. And during that time, I work in the Philippines. Back then, there was a massive supply of registered nurses while the demand for nursing-related work was it was at at its lowest level. This is where the elephant in the room emerged. Because imagine, a high supply, low demand. The supply and demand law states that if there is an imbalance, a problem will occur. Doesn't mean that it will be immediately now, or later, or probably sooner. But eventually, the problem actually happened. And that's where the era of volunteerism work for the Filipino nurses happened. Majority of nurses during that time agreed to work in hospitals without pay. Yes, you heard it right. That's why the word volunteerism was very popular during that time. Volunteer work, volunteer nurse. Imagine working 8 to 12 hours without pay. It's hard to think about it. And some people was astounded or have been astounded when they hear that story, but it actually happened. And most of, most of other people who didn't experience that were thinking, why are there people or were people agreeing to, ta- to that kind of setup? Well, it's for the sake of having a work re- nursing-related experience. Here is, I'll give you the simple pathway of nurses, the mindset, the mentality. Study hard, get your Bachelor of Science in nursing degree, pass the, ni- the, nurse, the national licensure examination to become a registered nurse in the Philippines, get more than two to five years or more worth of nursing experience, apply to another country, go to another country, migrate there and work there and have a better life. But thinking about that, that will take time, years, and a lot of hard work, arduous tasks, and a lot of problems will come during those time periods. So why do Filipino nurses do that? Well, what's the reason behind this? Basically, that's the question. Just like any other employees in the world, it has something to do with salaries. Because the Filipino nurses during that time, their salaries were outrageously low. How low? Well, when you compare the developed country's salary to the Filipino nurses, it's 10 to 12 times lower than of the developed country's salary. That's the Filipino nurses' salary. So to give you a clearer view, a clearer um, image, a clearer story of how low it is. I'll share my own 
experience. I work as an I started working as a nurse in way back in December 2011. I had a contractual job there for one year. It's one of the public hospitals in the Philippines. So my salary back then was 160 US dollars. Actually, it was 8,000 pesos. Peso, Philippine peso is the um, national currency of the Philippines. So when computed to US dollars, it's 160 US dollars. And to make, thing, to make things worse, 160 US dollars, not per day, not per week, but per month. Imagine, 160 USD, you won't be able to pay even rent with that amount. <laughs> well, in the first place, no landlord will accept a renter having 160 USD per month, per month salary. And second, you, it, it, you won't be able to sustain your own life, let alone buy food. Probably you'll just buy what? Canned goods, the lower level tier of canned goods or um, cup noodles. Then how about your clothing? So it's really hard with that kind of salary. And that's why most nurses, including me that time, sucked it up. My, what I mean by sucked it up, that even though we're, some of us were working as volunteer, no pay at all, or even if we're fortunate enough with having salary, but with really low pay, we just need to suck it up because we need to accumulate working experience dur during that time. And we need to work hard. Then afterwards, we need to work hard because we plan to go and work into another country with so much better pay. That has been the pathway of nurses ever since I started in 2011. Although the salary of nurses today have improved. How? Um, well, it actually doubled after 10 years. It's now 400 to 500 US dollars per month. <laughs> Maybe a few of you are still saying that, oh, come on, Evan, 400 to 50 US dollars is still outrageously low. Well, it is, but compared, well, rather than still having 200 to 250 US dollars per month, at least it doubled. Imagine after 10 years, you still have the same salary. That's crazy. So it doubling is an improvement for the Filipino nurses and the Philippines itself. By the way, this is not about my nursing experience in the Philippines, although it sounds one already, isn't it? But this experience contributed into my financial life today. So before I was able to migrate into another country, I worked as a nurse in the Philippines for five years, having that 160 to 200 USD salary per month during that time period. So during my first job, the one in, back in 2011, upon receiving my salary, I think that was the first month or second month receiving the salary, I told my dad that I wanted to help with the expenses. Like for example, electricity or water. Because first, they're my parents. Without them, I wouldn't be able to finance my um, nursing degree. And I really just, I really love them. And second, um, I, st I still stayed there, stayed with them for that whole time before I was able to work into another country. So I went to my dad, I spoke to him, and I said, Dad, I want to help with the, uh, with the expenses. Can I pay for the electricity and water? And my dad looked at me and laughed. <laughs> and he said, look, son. Your salary is 160 USD per month. Your salary wouldn't even be able to sustain your life. <laughs> so for me, as just keep your money as long as you save it 
your mom and I are happy. That's what he said, basically. And I said, oh, that's great then. <laughs> so I kept the whole salary for myself. And that is a blessing. Blessing in a way that I did understand. That I did understand that all of my peers, my batchmates um, in the nursing field, are not able to uh, have the opportunity that I had with my parents. Because I know there are some that are breadwinners who really need to work, have a better salary, and to give to their parents, to their siblings, because they're the ones sustaining like their life or their education, their basic needs. So that's hard. So being self-aware about that and being empathetic about that, I said that, this opportunity shouldn't go to waste. That although measly an amount, that 160 USD can go really far away. So if this opportunity, this opportunity has been given to me, I need to make the best out of it. So just like any other 20-year-old kid who started earning money, although just a very tiny amount, I still yellowed it. <laughs> I kept on spending my salary for good items, uh, like going out with, uh, for good times, I mean, like going out with friends, drinking sessions, bought stuff that I wanted, like a pair of shoes and whatnot. Nonetheless, the story doesn't end there. Although I yellowed my money, a significant portion of it, I still made sure that I saved 10 to 20% of my salary. I'll repeat that, repeat that again. I still made sure that I saved 10 to 20% of my salary. I did, you know why? Because I did understand that saving money will be helpful to my future self, for my future. As during that time, I didn't know why I saved money. I don't know what for, but I did understand that it will help me eventually. Don't get me wrong. I do not have any personal finance um, knowledge. I don't have personal finance education. I didn't know about emergency fund, rainy day fund, insurance, investing. I didn't know all of that. But I did know that saving is very important, a special thing for the future that if I needed the capital, that if I needed the money, I'll be able to get something from my savings and not go to other people, not go to the banks and pester them and ask for money. So I didn't want that to happen to me. Um, that's why I did my best in still saving money, but still enjoying life. So going back to how did my the nursing job that I had in the Philippines, low salary, but how did it influence my personal finance journey? So what I've learned is that if there is a chance to save money, no matter how small it is, as long as there is a chance to save it, just keep on learning how to save. It's easier to manage and save money when it's measly in amount compared to when your salary becomes larger. You know why? Because you, it's saving money has been incorporated, budgeting, saving money has been incorporated to you as early as you having a small amount of money. So when that salary balloons, as for example, it really ballooned like 10 times, 20 times, you'll not get overwhelmed. You'll know how to do it by percentage, not by amount, but by percentage. You can do, it, do amount plus percentage, but that will be like advanced budgeting already. 
but you wouldn't find it you wouldn't find it hard when you start early on learning the mentality the psychology and the consistency and eagerness of saving money so maybe some of you might be thinking that probably evan's parents have great knowledge about money and personal finance that's why he's he started early he saved money even though his salary is just really really low it's really outrageously low first of all yes you're 100% right that my parents taught me how to save money and they have been very supportive mom and dad thank you for that i love you so much um well nonetheless my parents is didn't teach me about personal finance they're not that knowledgeable about personal finance I will say that they don't they don't also know personal finance during that time. They just taught me, they just understood as well that saving money is very important in a person's life in a family's life. So, they taught me about it. And they taught me early on in my life because when I was a kid, I loved toys. I really loved toys even up up until now. I love Star Wars merchandise. I don't call it toys anymore. It's merchandise. <laughs> and I and when I was young, I loved Gundam toys. So when I see a Gundam toy um, or even any other toy that piques my interest, I'll tell them just like any other kid, mom, dad, buy me that, buy me those, buy me these, blah, blah, blah. And just like any other parent, they'll say, son, we don't have money. Um, We don't have money. It's not a priority. Oh, we'll buy you that. We'll buy you that after Chris, next Christmas, your next birthday, or your next whatever event that they can think of, like those fake promises. <laughs> Everyone experienced that with their parents. Or, so that's what happened. But there's an additional, where, there's additional with what they keep on saying me that stuck with me when I was a kid up until now. I brought it. And they said that if you want to buy that toy, save money. Straightforward, isn't it? But that gave me a strong impact. Without that, I don't know how am I with money. But that started it. That that turned on something within me. Uh, that turned on about the personal finance, about maybe the the ble- the the blessing that God gave me, a blessing that God gave me about fine about money. So I did understand when I was young that I see the difference. Gundam, by the way, Gundam is a Japanese animation and also a Japanese toy that has been that has been sold for a long time already, more than 30, 40 years already. And uh, it's like a Lego, but it's robots. And one example, um, I can, well, it's like Voltes 5, Mazinger Z, um, during the 1980s. Gundam is just like that, but instead of buying Volt, but but instead of buying it directly, and you have uh, the built one with Gundam, just like what I've said, it's just like Lego that you still need to build it. So you're having a direct relationship with the building and your per- and the and the person who's building it, and having having enjoy and enjoying the process of building that Gundam. So that's that's what I wanted even when I was young. So. I didn't understand that there were gun there are gun there are toys that are expensive there are toys that are cheaper and my dad was giving me money uh, when I was young it's just a small amount like 5 10 pesos I don't I think every other day or 20 pesos for the whole week anyways so I kept on saving I I have two options with that 
I either spend it with, for food, then save money for the toy. Then when it comes to the toy, toys, toy, whatever, I need to prioritize which one. I can buy a toy at what, 50 pesos during that time, or I can just keep on saving it and get the toy that I really wanted, which is the Gundam. The Gundam that, I've been, uh, that I bought when I was young uh, that I wanted was around 200 to 300 pesos, and that's a large amount of money, especially for a kid, and during that time as well. Um, so I still saved money. And because I did, I realized that whatever I want, I need to focus my energy there. And all other things are just what? Um, irrelevant. So I did learn how to prioritize through, sa- through saving money at an early age. So I did understand that. And without that, I don't know where I am now with prioritization, budgeting, and saving money. So that's what I learned from my parents. And I'm very grateful, thankful, and blessed for that. And again, I love you, mom and dad. Thank you so much. That's about personal finance. (laughs) But to be honest, it's just about saving money because I didn't know about personal finance. When you say personal finance, you have all of the course like emergency fund, rainy day fund, uh, debt management, and life and medical insurance. So I didn't have that one. Um, But (laughs) I still jumped into investing. Guys, um, Never go into investing as much as possible. Don't go into investing if you haven't um, secured your personal finance score. But for me, during that time, I jumped immediately to investing because no one told me what to do. Uh, I didn't know personal finance. My parents didn't know personal finance. We only know about saving money. So I jumped into investing. How did it come to investing? Generally, it was my dad plus my uncle who showed me the way, <laughs> who guided me uh, into investing. Um, this was back in 2013. I started investing in 2013, to be exact, um, 20, 31st of October 2013. So um, October, so before October, the, uh, I think it was March, around first quarter of that year, January to March, my dad um, talked to me, sat down with me and said that, son, Instead of you putting your money into a savings account, why not invest it? And upon me hearing the word investing, I was like, investing? And for sure, I had a blank stare. And I was uh, I was shocked. What word is investing? To be honest, I didn't really know about investing. Not even the word during that time. So I asked dad, what's investing? And my dad told me that it's you putting money in a company. Uh, trusting and putting money in a company, then that money will grow over time. And the fact that I heard that I'll be giving money into a, something, into putting into like a corporation or whatever, just um, shouted scam for me. And he said, Dad, are you sure about that? Um, have you been investing? He said, yeah, I have an account. And is it really legitimate? Because it's not that a scam. And he left. And um, so he just told me what to do, all of those stuff about investing. It's just really basic idea. Even him, he doesn't know complexities about investing during, the, during that time. And I was hesitant. I was really hesitant because I only have a really, really small amount of savings. Remember the money that I saved, like 10 to 20% of my income? Uh, of my really, really small income. That was it. That was all my savings. 
and I didn't and I said that uh, I was I said to that no not at the moment but after a few months he kept on telling me keep on reminding me oh go invest in blah 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 and I said no I wasn't still confident or I wasn't still um have had the faith in investing then the final push was with my uncle my uncle why because my uncle is a businessman and he he had he have connection had and still have the connections no other businessmen who are who in are investing as well and he, he even know the owner of one of the broker accounts that we are currently using up until to this day so and i said that my uncle told me that it's true it's legitimate and he explained like the ba- very basic stuff and even about the brokerage by the way f- before you start investing you need a brokerage brokerage is the middleman without them we won't be able to invest our money it's like um go it's like to give you a clearer um clearer view clearer understanding about brokerage and the stock market it's um I'll, I'll give you an analogy of going into a wet market and you wanting to buy a fish so if you want to buy a fish usually people goes people need to go into a market so you go into a market where there are other stuff like vegetables fruits meat and fish that are being sold in a food market so you look for a fish vendor and that fish vendor <laughs> um uh well sells fish and you buy the fish and that's it in the stock market you need to go stock market and the vendors are the brokers the brokers are the middleman just like the fish vendor the fish vendor wouldn't be able to sell the fish if they don't get it from the main uh supplier of the fish or from the port or wherever the fish is being um where, wherever they get the fish so that's like um the stock broker the stock broker gets the shares of the company from the company itself and they and they connect us people investors um with the company buy and sell the shares of a company that's generally it so now going back so my uncle uh explain to me that simply and even my dad as well so i said okay i'm going to invest and i told my dad um dad i wanted to invest and what's what's the best brokerage account and i don't advise this it's uh, i don't advise the name of this brokerage account but i do use it up until now um so i'll just um say the name here okay so my dad said it's called financial Call Financial. This is a brokerage account in the Philippines, and I ask, "Are you using Call Financial?" Yeah, that's what he said. And my uncle also used Call Financial, and uh, my uncle knows the owner of Call Financial as well. So I said, "Okay, let's go ahead." And my dad escorted me, helped me. Uh, we went to the car the next day. So th- it's not the next day; it's a couple of days. So this was the thirty first, thirty first of October, early morning. My gosh, I think we left. Our home at five in the morning because the place that we needed to go as the miss the main office of call financial broker brokerage firm. Uh, so it's I don't know how far away it is from. I think it was twenty kilometers if I'm not mistaken from our home. Anyway, so we left early in the morning, five in the morning, and my dad's so happy that I agreed. And I and my and I was still hesitant though, but we went there. I opened account. It was just smooth. 
no problem at all. Just need to sign some paperwork, need to fill up some information. Then that's it. They open an account and I just need a down payment of 5,000 pesos. So I still have my receipt receipt up until now. <laughs> I treasure it because that's one of the best things that my 20, 2013 self did for the person I am now. So I really treasure that. Um, there, there is even the time that um, I opened the account. So it states that um, October 31, 2013 at 9-ish, nine, 9 in the morning <laughs> with 5,000 pesos down payment. Mind you, 5,000 pesos was a significant amount of my savings. So for me, it was I was excited because, and at the same time, I'm nervous because I don't know if it's true or not uh, or I might just lose my savings. So that's it. That's how I started investing. And remember regarding my savings, guys, that I saved 10 to 20% of my salary um, since I've started working. I told you that I don't know what I was saving for. Although I bought I bought some shoes with some of my savings, but I didn't I didn't spend all of my money just for a pair of shoes. But I still had my savings. And I didn't know what I I was saving it for, but I do know that I'll be using that money for when the time comes that there's an opportunity. And the problem is I don't know what opportunity, but came in 2013 and I saw that it is this opportunity that I'm be, I've been looking for. So I've put all of my savings there and my savings is still there up until today. I never pulled it out. The initial money, my initial savings since 2011 has been in the same cold financial account ever since, even up to this day. And I wouldn't dare to pull it out. I'll grow it. I'll keep on improving it. And I am confident that it'll grow to a larger money than it was really. It was literally in 2011. So that's my journey about investing. And regarding investing, I did realize something. Through the years of my investing journey, to be exact, it's now eight years, I realized that there are two limiting beliefs about it. First, you need to have a lot of money. Guys, I'll emphasize this. That's an utter BS. I started investing with 5,000 pesos. 5,000 pesos, um, sorry. How much is that in USD? Well, I'll use an exchange rate of 50 pesos, something. Um, so that's 100 USD to opening an account. So 100 USD. I started 100 USD and a couple of probably dollars more with my savings. I've invested. I invested everything. And I kept on investing ever since. Every time I have my salary, I get 10 to 20%. I invested. So you, you don't need a lot of money when investing. That is a limiting belief. It's not true. I've experienced it and I've been doing it ever since. Doesn't matter how small your money is. Most especially now, there are accounts that you can invest as small as $1. That's pure crazy. <laughs> that is crazy. But that gives an opportunity to everyone that there is no excuses that you need a lot of money because you can invest as low as $1. Second limiting belief, you need to have a high IQ. Come on, guys. This 
<laughs> it just makes me laugh so much because to tell you honestly, I've never been a high IQ person. I've always been an average. I'll tell you that I don't I don't look myself as an average person. I don't even look myself as one of the mo- uh, that stupid guy, but I'm just the average. I I don't understand it that I'm just average. <laughs> I don't have a high IQ. I don't have a low IQ. I'm just an average guy. And IQ doesn't even um, have a factor in investing. As long as you're keen to grow your money, to learn the basic stuff, really, really basic stuff, you can invest. <laughs> there are kids who are investing as early as, what, 18 years old? It depends on other countries. They're, they're, they can, other countries allow 16-year-old to start investing. And they don't, mind you, they don't have degrees. When you're 16-year-old, you don't have any degrees yet in college. You're probably just senior high um, uh, level in education. So <laughs> you don't need that to have an I- IQ. And I'm telling everyone this, that you could be whoever you want and still be an investor. I keep on saying this, even in my social media posts, even my blogs, that I am a nurse, but I am an investor. I love investing so much that um, I was I did uh, dig deeper. I became an active investor, like to the extent that I'm looking into company companies, their financials, how they are doing, uh, their competitive advantage, their moat, how's their price relative to their business, those kinds of things. But I'm still a nurse. I work as a nurse, but I so love I I love so much investing. But that is not applicable for everyone. Not applicable in a sense that you can, you can be still investing without being an active investor. Just like investing in mutual funds, index funds, being a passive investor and your money is still working for you. And do whatever you want in life. Be like a doctor, be a lawyer, be what a military, uh, in an army, be an engineer, or have your own business, do whatever you want, and still be an investor. Learning how to make money work for you, learning how to make money your employee, and learning how to make money just circle around 24 hours a day, work for you every day, and even for generations of your family to come. So I've been in the investing game for eight years now. And I'm very thankful for my dad and my uncle who influenced me, who encouraged me to start investing. But my journey was actually different from what I've usually suggested to most people in my blog and in my social media posts. Because I highly suggest for the beginners, the novices, um, the newcomers into investing world, world to start investing into index mutual funds what is an index mutual funds um for me to give you a quick uh, overview it's actually like investing in a country generally like the economy of the country the top companies of a country for instance in the philippines we have this philippine stock exchange index in which the top 30 big companies in the philippines by market capitalization i don't want to make it complex but generally these are the big 30 companies 
in the Philippines, like um, um, SM Investments, Investment Corporation, Jollibee Food Corporation, Globe uh, Telecommunications, uh, Manila Manila Electric Company or Meralco, and others more. Uh, so those are the top 30 companies. So when you invest in that mutual index fund called the Philippine Stock Exchange Index, your money will go to the top 30 companies. The pro So the question is, what if one of the companies goes into bankruptcy? That's not a big deal because let's say, for example, um, JG Summit, one of the uh, top 30 companies in the index, goes into bankruptcy. Just an example, okay? So what will happen is that the holdings will pull out all of the investments in JG Summit. Then they'll sell everything and JG Summit wouldn't be part of that investment anymore. Then next, whoever is the number 31 will come into the index. So from 31, they're now part of the top 30 and JG Summit will be removed. So that itself gives the safeness that even if one of the top 30 companies of that time goes into bankruptcy or gets removed into the index, well, the mutual fund will just reallocate the money and depending on the changes. So that's how... I love index funds because you, as an investor, as a beginner investor, you wouldn't need the complexities to know about um, the company, economics, or the market research kinds of stuff that most people wouldn't love doing because it's not for everyone. But at least when you do mutual index funds, uh, there's someone who will be doing those all complex stuff for you. It's They're the professionals. They're like the doctors of medicine. But instead, it's in the investing world. Professional investors, institutional investors. That's what we call them. So that's mutual funds. So how am I different from what I'm suggesting? Because I didn't start in mutual funds. I started investing directly in companies. See, there's nothing bad in starting investing in companies. But there is a higher risk that uh, comes with investing directly with companies. What are these risks? It's not knowing what is the business model of the company, what, how does the business make money, um, the management, how, who are the people in the management, how they allocate the money, how they invest the money, how they reinvest the money, and what is the competitive advantage of the company compared to their competitors? Or do they have the edge? Will they be kicked out of the, the, the business atmosphere, the economics of the business? Will they lose market share or will they stay their ground? Will they grow faster? Will they be dominant in that industry kind of thing? And fourth is, are they indebted? Do they have a lot of debt? That goes with management as well. And fourth is the relationship of the stock price to the business. Because if the stock goes down and you don't know the basic stuff about the company, even you will be thinking that, oh, there's a problem in the company. And you'll get agitated, you'll get frustrated. And because you're thinking that everyone's selling so they might know something that i don't know one of the deadliest things in investing is that mentality 
because you wouldn't have the confidence to hold that company. You you will only have the confidence when it goes up, but when it goes downwards, when it goes side, when it goes the other way around, people who doesn't know what's happening in the business usually get shattered. They will sell at a loss. And investing, the best time to sell is when the prices are high. And most people do the opposite. Instead of buying low, selling high, they buy high and sell low. That's what causes a poor investment return for most uninformed investors. That's why that's the bad thing. That's the riskiest thing of investing in a company without knowing anything. But for me, it it went well. I mean, I just got lucky. It wasn't because I know about investing. It wasn't because I'm intelligent. I'll never be intelligent. I am not intelligent at the slightest bit. I'm just an ordinary person with a have an ordinary mind, guys. I've never been intelligent. And I do understand that. And I'm self-aware about that. And that time, it was just pure luck. But my dad actually told me this before I started uh, picking a company. And my uncle as well. They told me that. Invest in companies that you know and see people purchasing their products and services. Like for example, no-brainer, all of the essential stuff that people need like electricity, water, and food. I mean, even in the baddest moment and the lowest moment of an economy, they those three are essentials like for example the pandemic food is ex- food has always been essential even during the lockdown electricity and water that's a no-brainer investment so companies who are under that umbrella so i have one i uh, i've invested in it in an electricity distribution company and at the same time i know someone who works there second um what else company who Companies who have high demand that I see, they told me that companies that I always, that there is always people who buys their products and services. So there's this um, property developer of malls <laughs> and the Philippines is very popular with malls. That's why we are, the Philippines is called the mall capital of the world because we have a lot of malls, different sizes, small, medium, large and vast large structures as in land area is so vast compared to other malls around the world and that's why we have this mall called mall of asia <laughs> we even have called a mall called we have even a mall called mega mall <laughs> and they live to their name to be to be fair so uh this this looking into that mall I've never seen one of their malls empty, most especially during the weekend. My gosh, when you walk inside their mall, it's as if everyone is like an ant or hitting each other's shoulder because it was so cramped even though the mall is so vast. That's how the malls of this property developer uh, have with high demand in terms of demand so i invested on that property developer third with every trans with every um transaction made by people around the world there will always be a bank as a middleman uh, 
who checks every buy, sell, stuff trend going in and out of the account. So banks is another no-brainer investment for me. I needed to invest in a bank. Problem is, which bank? So I don't know anything as in with business operations or all those kind of stuff during that time in, back in 2013. So I, told, I, I just thought of, well, what is the bank that I, oh, I usually see? In every city, in every town around the Philippines. And boom, 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 there are three banks. Actually, mostly just two banks. And I said, I like the color of that other bank. The blue one. <laughs> because there are two popular banks in the Philippines. Uh, a blue or the red. And I said that I have account with the blue, color blue bank. Uh, that's their, like, um, uh, fav- uh, the color that they use for their um, company. So... I chose the blue one because I have an account with them. So I open an account and I said, I open an account, I have an account with them and I started investing with them as well. So that's it. Those three um, investments, those three no-brainers for me, in my own opinion, during that time. And what happened? Did it crash? Did they become negative? No. I was very lucky because the world economy did well from 2013 up until 2019, the Philippine economy as well. At the same time, when an economy does well, you'll be expecting the top companies of that country, of that economy, will also do well. Because it's them where people who will buy goods and services. It's them, it's these companies that where people will go, spend their time with, their family, have experience, eat in their mall, buy their products and services. Generally, that's it. In a booming economy. But then the pandemic struck. Bam. And you know what? I was lucky again. Why? Because I pulled out my holdings in 2019. As in, what do you mean by pulled out? Well, I converted it everything to cash. Why? I I didn't foresee the pandemic. It's not, that's not the reason. I really just got lucky that I pulled out everything in 2019 before the pandemic came. And the specific reason is, I turned into value investing. I became a value investor. Uh, value investor is a type of active investing. I came to a point that I said that my holdings did well. And I questioned myself, why? I mean, the companies are doing well. But it's for me, it was easy money. I know there's a catch. And nothing in this world is free. Um, I did. I really. I did understand that I was just lucky. Everything was going to the north, everything was going up, and nothing's going south, going down. And I said, eventually this will go down. Something happened with um, bad will happen, and I need to learn what are those things that can derail investing. So I decided to go into the investment world and understand it so i opened the door of the investor world the investing world and i was shocked in what i've seen what i saw that time this was in my brain literally um imagining it i opened the door and i saw another vast world that i didn't know i didn't knew existed i know investing yeah i was investing already uninformed investing when i opened the proper investing world oh my gosh my mind blew 
I didn't know how to start. There were a lot of rabbit holes that I need to jump into. And I said, I don't know if I'll excel in this. But I was excited. I it's my first time feeling the itch to learn all of the stuff that I could see in that specific investment world. So I jump in each rabbit hole, accounting, economics, uh, personal finance, corporate finance, interest rates, central banks, whatnot and all. I Mind you guys, I'm not intelligent. It took me a really long time to understand. I keep on reading it again and I said, oh shit, I can't understand this. I, I need to look, I have, I need to look for an easier way to understand this. So I kept, on, uh, I kept on reading other resources, watching videos, those kinds of stuff because I'm not intelligent. I'm really straightforward, average guy. I just really wanted to learn this stuff. That's when I did realize that investing doesn't really need intelligence. It needs the eagerness, the willingness, the happiness to learn those stuff, to learn if investing is really for you, no one will need to push you to learn it, guys. This I'm pertaining to active investing anyway. So that was me. Active investing was really for me. I love the game. I love learning the stuff. Mind you, I've never felt this high during the time when I was studying. Never, as in never. I hated studying before. It just sucked for me. I was just doing it for my parents. Doing it so that I can have a job and have a decent life. That's it. And didn't know what to do. But seeing the investing world coming into this world, oh my gosh, the high is so high. It's higher than the highest high. <laughs> Even up to now. I guess this is it. Uh, I just really loved the game. And that's why I, I will keep on learning. I'll never... I'll never stop learning because every time I learn something, I realize that shit, I'm really stupid at this. <laughs> I needed to learn more and it just get it just keep on getting worse that oh I'm a stupid man. Oh I don't know this. I need to learn this again. <laughs> so yeah, I don't mind being stupid forever as long as I enjoy learning this investment world. And I don't mind being the best in this in this field. As long as I achieve what I really want in life. And what I want is that to not to not to stress about money. Generally, this is it. That I don't want to be filthy rich. I don't want even to be rich. I just don't want money to be a problem. So that I can focus more on things that really matters to me. My family, my passion, my life with my family again. That's it. Very simple. And investing is my passion and I have a lot of time before I die. So why not do my best that all of the things that makes me happy and all of the things that will make my life, my life fulfilled. That's why I'm sharing, to, uh, sharing this to everyone else. Sharing about investing. That we can enjoy life. Definitely enjoy life. Uh, be humble about life. Understand ourselves. Be self-aware. Um have the courage the mentality to do what we really wanted still work and still enjoy life and make money work for us that's it for me that's why investing made me really happier because this is for me i found it and you know what i did realize that investing is really important for everyone 
because it's making money working for us not just us working for money we can't work for money forever we will die our body will get old we can't work when we have back pains when we can't even walk for a long time if we can't even lift something that we can lift before so yeah learning how to invest over time for a longer time consistently religiously will always be a winner's game as long as we invest that's why if invest active that's why i'm saying that active investing is not for everyone but index investing is for everyone else that's me guys that's my personal finance and investing journey i do hope that you liked it and i do apologize for my english because speaking i mean because i still keep on stuttering um speaking is not my best to be honest but i really wanted to up my game and move forward from just doing blogs and written words so that i can explore other venues of relaying the message spreading personal finance financial education uh, financial awareness and investing to others and to the hopes that um, a lot of not just filipinos but other persons around the world to be able to learn how to master their money and still enjoy life even um, because starting a business is not the only way to be finan uh, financially free because most of the people think that you need a business, you need to start a business, and it's not easy. Business is not for everyone. Um, it's self-awareness, and I'm also self-aware with that, but um, there are other ways, and investing is one of those ways. I really wanted to push that idea. Uh, but it really is an arduous task in this, in the sense of self-awareness, behavioral finance, behavioral investing. It all comes to the person who we are, personally, deeply. It's not about others. It's about yourself when you do personal finance and investing. So I hope you enjoyed it. And um, you can follow uh, follow me and my Facebook page at Elmad's Finance Blog. Or I have my Instagram as well at Evan underscore Lmads and also Twitter at Evan Lmads. <laughs> so that's it, guys. Thank you for listening to my first um, podcast and I'll see you soon. Thanks, guys. Bye.